0: Official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at WellChurchVT.com.
1: You guys ever read your Bible and you, you read the kind of the red letter section, which is Jesus speaking? And you see something, you're kind of like, I just want to kind of like breeze through that part. Or like skip over that part to get to the next. Anybody ever do that? Bunch of liars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pastor and I do that. So we've been looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we're just, we're just reading this sermon that Jesus gave. And we're trying not to skip over stuff. We're trying to just look at everything that he said. And we're on week nine. We're going to spend 14 weeks in this sermon. We're on week nine. Are you guys ready to dive in and look at these words from Jesus? How many of you guys were here last Sunday when we looked at Jesus teaching on fasting? A number of you were here. Well, that was just the warm-up for this week, (laughs) the section that we'll be covering today. Because what we're going to look at today is Jesus teaching on money. See, I know you're thinking right now, why did I even come to church today? Ian shows this slide and talks about money and church. All churches want is your money. <laughs> why did I come to We lost an hour of sleep. I came here. It's snowing. I slipped and fell. I don't know how many of you all slipped and fell on the way here. I protected my tea. I had my tea and whoom, right on my back, but protected my tea. Jesus was protecting my tea for me, and I'm still walking, so that's good. I'm, I'm still standing up. I'm still walking. And, <laughs> and so I know what you're thinking. Why did I come to church today? Uh, uh, it's snowing. I slipped. I lost an hour's sleep. I'm already fasting because Jesus messed with my relationship with food last week. <laughs> now he's going to mess with my bank account. Uh, why can't we just skip over this section, Adam, and get to the next part, uh, the section that we like? Well, <laughs> The only other topic that Jesus talked about more than the kingdom of, or less, let me rephrase that. The second biggest topic that Jesus talked about was money. The only thing he talked about more than money was the kingdom of God. Now, as a church, we don't talk about money a lot. And there's a reason for that. One of the reasons we don't talk about money a lot is because the church is kind of known as a reputation, right? Of just like wanting your money. But we have to live in this tension because we feel that angst and we feel that tension like, oh, we don't want like, the church and following Jesus to be about money. And yet Jesus, the only thing he talked about more than the kingdom was money. And so we can't skip over this part, even if we want to skip over this part. And, and one of the things I've learned about Jesus is that he loves us the way that we are, but he refuses to leave us that way. And he knows He knows the pull that materialism has in our hearts. And so he's committed to our growth and development, and he cares enough to confront us with things that we'd rather skip over, like this next section of his sermon. In this section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he uses three metaphors to teach us about the necessity of detangling ourselves from materialism. And the three metaphors he uses are these. Storing up treasure, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Second metaphor he's going to use is eyesight, Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. Then the third one he's going to use is serving two masters, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. We're going to look at all three of these metaphors. And all three of these communicate the same idea, and that's this. That living a kingdom life involves The practices of simplicity, generosity, and focus. Those three things. That if we're going to detangle ourselves from materialism and consumerism and live a kingdom life, then we have to learn the practices of simplicity, generosity, and focus. So you guys ready to jump in? Okay, let's go. Storing up treasure, first metaphor, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is. See, treasures are things that we try to protect because they're valuable to us. And although most treasures when we use the word treasure although most of the time what we're we're thinking in, in monetary terms right but but they don't ha- treasures don't have to be monetary uh, tr- you can treasure your reputation right you can really value and protect your reputation you can treasure a relationship you can treasure a, a career or an opportunity you can even even treasure like a nostalgic item Right, like maybe it's a concert ticket, a concert you went to and it was just amazing and you kept the stub, right, because it's a treasure because it's a nostalgic item that reminds you of this experience that you had. Or maybe it's an old photo or a little napkin note. And, and to, to other people, it would seem worthless, but to you, it's a treasure, right? When my daughter, Sophie, was little, um, she had this pink blanket. It's like a little baby kind of pink blanket, and she treasured that blanket. She took it everywhere she went. If we went somewhere and we forgot it or we lost it, like, there was hell to pay. Like, our daughter would just, like, erupt. It was just pure chaos. And, and, and this blanket, she took it everywhere, dragging it in the dirt everywhere. It got so nasty and dirty. She used to take the corner of it and, like, stick it up her nose, and I don't know why, it's just a, something that just, it comforted her for some strange reason. And so this pink blanket, after the years, it took on this color that Crayola can't even define what color it was. It was like a mishmash. It was just filthy. It was disgusting. It was nasty. And, and every time we would try to take it away, she, she protected that thing. That was her treasure, I don't even know how we finally got it away from her. We've probably tricked her somehow or bribed her, you know, what parents do to survive. We, we've somehow got it away from her. But she tried to protect that thing like her life depended on it because that was her treasure. See, you'll always try to protect what you treasure. It's part, it's part of our makeup. It's a human disposition. When Michelle and I were first married, my parents gave me this gift, and it was one of those gifts that you get and you open and you're like, huh. <laughs> you're not sure like, why they gave it to you? But they gave us this gift, and it was a, a fire safe, a little safe, a box. And we, you know, we got it, and we're like, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> Thank you, I guess. Like, we didn't have anything. We were just married. We didn't have anything valuable to put in it or understand what, why you would even want one of those. Um, but they knew something that we didn't, <laughs> that eventually you're going to need some place to put what you value. And for 22 years now, we've been accumulating stuff in, in, in our safe that they gave us, all of our identifications in there, our passports, our, our IDs, Social Securities, all of our birth certificates are in there, important legal documents are in there, our will. Is in there if something should happen to us. We have our will in that safe. Insurance policies are in there. We have the deed to our house in there. We have our kids' immunization records in there. We even have some old photos of when they were young in, in, in this safe. And my parents knew that we were going to need some place to protect our valuables and to prevent them from getting lost, from getting stolen, from, from getting destroyed in a house fire if that should happen. You know, there's a verse in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 3, and it says this that you and I are hidden with Christ in God. Why do you suppose we are hidden with Christ? Well, it's because God values us, He treasures us. And so He's hidden us with Christ in God. So you'll always protect what you value, you'll always try to protect your treasures. Isn't that cool that God treasures us? Even God has treasures. It's just part of, it's part of who we are, created in his image, that, that we have these treasures. And so when Jesus teaches about storing up treasures, he tells his disciples to be wise about the kinds of treasures that they're storing up. He says, store up treasures that last. Store up treasures that have eternal value. Don't spend your life accumulating treasures that won't last, that... that Your safe won't be able to protect those treasures because they're temporal. Right? I used to tell people that you you can't take your material possessions with you when you die. And then I saw this picture. (laughs) And I thought to myself, well, there goes that sermon. (laughs) But you gotta give this person, whoever it is at the back of that hearse, you have to give them credit, an A for effort, trying. And, and as comical as that image is, that's how we live our lives, right? That's how we often live our lives. We spend the majority of our, our energy, our focus, our time on material things. We're told that's just what you do. You, you accumulate as much stuff as you can. And so we buy that and we, we spend money that we don't have on things that we don't need to impress people we don't know. And we just feel like that's, that's what you do. With your life. But Jesus, here in the Sermon on the Mount, he calls us and invites us into an entirely different agenda, a different way to invest our lives, to store up what matters, to store up things that last, to invest our lives in what God is doing. And it's countercultural in every way, shape, or form. When you start to invest your life in what lasts and what matters, and what's eternal, you're going to stick out because it's (laughs) countercultural. Everybody tells us, no, you accumulate stuff. That's what you do. And Jesus comes and says, no, I've got an entirely different agenda for you. Let's look at the second metaphor that he has. Eyesight, Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, this section feels a little bit cryptic, right? Jesus was known sometimes to be a little cryptic. He would teach sometimes, and even his disciples would scratch their head and be like, What, what, what did that mean? And Jesus would have to explain it to them. So, what does he mean here when he says, If your eyes are healthy, your body will be full of light? If your eyes are unhealthy, You'll be full of darkness. Well, the words he chose here for healthy and unhealthy are the same Greek words used for the word generous and stingy. And so there's a little economic hint here in this. So what he's saying is if your eyes are generous, you'll be full of light. But if your eyes are greedy, if they're stingy, right? And you're going to be full of darkness. That an unhealthy eye, a stingy eye, can't see the brightness of God's generosity. They can't see it. They can't see the needy or the world around them. They're fixated on their desire to accumulate more stuff for themselves. And so he's saying that essentially that if you have an unhealthy eye or a stingy eye, you're walking through life in the dark without a lamp. And so let's... let's, Revisit the flow of Jesus' teaching so far in these two metaphors. One, don't store up treasures on earth because they don't last. Instead, invest your lives in what God's doing. And when you see what God is doing, his generous work in the world, you'll be full of light. But don't focus on accumulating wealth because you'll be sleepwalking through life. That's the summary and the flow of Jesus' teaching so far. Let's go to the third metaphor. And then we'll try to unpack some of this and and see how we can live this out. Serving two masters, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I found a great sermon on this verse. It's an old sermon. It was preached back in 1979. Old sermon. And it was delivered by... Um, an old rock and roll legend by the name of Bob Dylan. In 1979, Bob Dylan had a conversion experience and he joined a vineyard church and he started a Bible study that was looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And so he was studying this very passage that we're reading in, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter six here. And during that time that he was attending that Bible study, he made a gospel record called Slow Train Coming. Anybody ever heard Slow Train Coming? Now, Slow Train Coming actually contained his first hit in three years. And the hit song from that record was Gotta Serve Somebody. And so for the next 90 seconds, I'm going to hand my sermon over to Bob Dylan. For 90 seconds, he's going to preach this passage. Gotta Listen.
0: Ambassador to England or You may like to gamble, you might like to dance, you may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Well, it may You may be a rock and roll at on the stage money drugs at your command women in a cage. you may be a businessman or some high degree thief they may call you doctor or they may call you chief but you're gonna have to serve somebody yes you are you're gonna have to serve somebody
1: It Dylan, right? You're gonna have to serve somebody. You can serve Almighty Dollar, you can serve Almighty God, but you gotta serve somebody. You're gonna have to choose. I love that song. I love the simplicity of it. See, when he he wrote that, he 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 wrote that from from the section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that no one can serve two masters. You're either gonna serve God or money, but you gotta serve somebody. Why? Why is that, Bob Dylan? Why do we gotta serve somebody? I'm independent. I don't have to serve anybody. (laughs) Well, here's the thing we'll always serve what we treasure. Always. We'll always serve what we treasure. That's how we're designed. Our, our treasures have a way of consuming us. It's part of our makeup as humans. We sacrifice for our treasures. We spend our waking hours thinking about our treasures. We even dream about our treasures, right? And here's an interesting component of this. Most of us have competing treasures. We treasure more than one thing, right? There's all these things that we can treasure, but here's how treasures work. While we can have competing treasures for, for a time, eventually one wins out. Eventually one wins out. And the others become subordinate to it. They take a back seat to it. And, and eventually we end up choosing what our lives are going to be about. Jesus said it this way. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So let's do a quick recap. One, one. Out of these three metaphors Jesus uses to teach on money and how to detangle ourselves from materialism, one, to follow Jesus, we have to live as if heavenly treasures matter. We have to. To follow Jesus, we have to do that. Two, when materialism becomes our focus, we're blinded to God and his kingdom. We're we're without a lamp, right? Our eyes are dark and, are, and full of darkness. Three, we can either live for God or for money, but we can't live for both. Now here comes the bigger question. How do we live this teaching of Jesus out? I mean, it's one thing to talk about it and be like, oh yeah, all that sounds really good, but how do we live it out? Well, there are three practices that we need to employ to live out this teaching of Jesus, and those three practices are simplicity, generosity, and focus. Because when we simplify our lifestyle, it allows us to focus on what God is doing and be generous with the gifts that He's given us. Now, I gotta make make something clear and put out a qualifier there. When I say simplify our lifestyle, I'm not implying that we have to choose a life of intentional poverty. Okay? Because poverty won't break you free from materialism. How do I know that? Because I've met some poor people who are really generous people. Have you? I've met some poor people who are enslaved to money. Have you? I've met rich people who are enslaved to money. Have you guys? They're greedy. They're Right? I've met rich people who are re- incredibly generous. Have you? Here's why. Because money is a tool, and it will only make you more of what you already are. And so if you're a generous person and you get more money, you have more opportunity to be generous. If you're a stingy person and you get more money, it's just going to make you more of who you already are. You're going to be more stingy and greedy. Because that's, that's how it works in our lives. You might tell yourself, hey, you know what, like right now I can't be a generous person. But when I'm wealthy one day, I'm going to be so generous. Well, probably not. Because generosity is not a product of wealth. It's a product of values. Right? It just makes you, money just makes you more of who you already are. Scott McKnight says it this way. Actually, before I read Scott McKnight's quote, remember the the part in the gospel when Jesus brings the disciples to the synagogue? And there's these wealthy people, and they're dumping bags of money in the offering. And then this little widow comes along, and she just has two mites and she drops in the offering, and and Jesus says, hey, hey, everybody, you see that right there? See that widow? She gave more than all the others because she gave out of her lack. And the disciples are just blown away, like, what? What, that's how the kingdom is? And Jesus like, yeah, that's, that's how the kingdom of God is. That's what generosity really is. It's not giving out of surplus. It's giving out of lack. Scott McKnight says this. If we are extending our budgets and giving only from what is left over, and if we've not cut back on how we live, then we're not embracing the kingdom vision of Jesus. Ouch. I told you you shouldn't have come to church this morning. (laughs) Ouch. See, here's the thing about generosity and the practice of generosity. Whenever we practice being generous, we remind ourselves that heavenly treasures are more important than earthly treasures. Whenever we see a need, someone in want, whenever we see pain or, or we we're being, have an opportunity to practice being generous with our time, practice being generous with our energy, practice being generous with our emotion, practice being generous with our finances, whenever we get that opportunity, it's a reminder to us that heavenly treasures are worth more than earthly treasures. This last month at the Avery House, we had our fridge break, our oven break, and our furnace break. Have you guys ever had some, like, like when one thing breaks, they all break, right? You ever have that happen? It's like Murphy moves into your house, he lives up in the attic, and everything that can go wrong just starts to break and go wrong. Now, Michelle and I, we've deplete, we depleted our savings account in the fall. And so we were just kind of waiting for February to come, you know, because that's when we get our tax refund. And it provides us a little breathing room, financial breathing room. We're like, okay, we got this nice little cushion right here. And we were waiting for a tax refund, but all these things broke first. And so I had a thought. Conf- it's a confession, confession right now. I had a thought, you know, looking at my budget, I could take the, the, the giving part of our budget this month and just, like, not give it. And it could, it, we could buy a new stove with it. It'll pay for the the furnace part. We can't fix the fridge, but we, we can get those two things taken care of. We can't pay for a repairman to come and fix the furnace, but I think I can do it. There's YouTube now, so I watch YouTube videos. i can out how to fix things. I said, so, so if we if we don't, if we just take our our charity charitable giving this month, and we just kind of pull that out, we'll just kind of could use it for the. This is real stuff, real life, big stuff, right? Or what we could do. So I got this fireplace in my house, got a bunch of wood in my garage, and I had an electric heater, and I, I'm pretty sure our neighbor across the street has a few, and our neighbor next door has one. We could probably like get by for four or five days until we get that part delivered and we can pay for it. And, and we got this cooler, the picnic cooler. You guys have a picnic cooler? And we, we had this natural refrigeration right outside of our door. So we thought, you know, if the, fri- the fridge keeps turning off and on throughout the day, we could put some food in the cooler, and my wife loaded the food in the cooler. We could put it on our porch, and everything's going to keep and, and be fine. And <laughs> for our oven, you know, we have this thing in our house. It's a microwave. <laughs> and we have one of our burners on our stove still working, so we could, we could get by, and we could always go to our neighbor's house. We've got some good neighbors next to us. We could put something in their oven for, for a few days and get by. And So we decided that we would not touch our generosity fund. We were going to give it in spite of all these things breaking down. And you know what? We did fine. We survived just fine. We had fire and little electric heaters. Kept some food in a cooler out on the porch. We got our new stove after our, our, our tax refund came. And you might think, that's absolutely crazy and ridiculous. Why would you do that? Why not just take the money and just fix that stuff? Well, here's why. And it is crazy. Yeah, I agree, it's nuts. But here's why we do it. Because my wife and I, a long time ago, decided that we're going to focus our lives for what's eternal. We're, we're going we're to focus our lives not on temporary things that rust and that get stolen and that moths devour. We want to live our lives for something that lasts. Jesus said it this way. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And here's what I'm learning about myself, especially in relation to this teaching of Jesus. If the kingdom vision of Jesus doesn't reshape my approach to money and possessions, then I'm not fully living out his kingdom vision. It doesn't mean that we have to take a vow of poverty, right? we be smart with our money. You know, there's a time in the Old Testament when God gave Joseph a dream about a famine that was coming. There's going to be a famine for seven years, and so in his dream, God essentially told Joseph, go tell Pharaoh to store up seven years of food, and, and, and he did, and that dream saved two nations from starvation and extinction. So it's not wrong to have a storehouse. God tells us to be smart with our money. You'd be smart with it. But it's a matter of where is our treasure? Is it in just accumulating things for ourselves? Or is our treasure in the things that last, living for what God is doing in the world? And so here's the question I'll leave with, with you this morning. How can you practice simplicity, Generosity and focus this week. <laughs> Again, last week we, we looked at Jesus' teaching on fasting and we're like, great, I already have to like, give up food. <laughs> now, now I have to uh, try to simplify my lifestyle and be generous and focus more on what God is doing. Listen, don't kill the messenger. <laughs> There's parts of Scripture that it, it, we really love to skip over, and then, but honestly... Uh, Jesus shared these with us to challenge us um, so that we would put our treasure, we would store up treasures that matter, treasures that last. And so what, what is one way this week that you can simplify your lifestyle so that you can be generous and focused on what God is doing in the world? Think of one thing. Homework right now. Think of one thing in your life, one change you can make this week to simplify your lifestyle that'll allow you to be more generous and more focused on God's work in the world. Okay, can I pray for us? Lord, we recognize this morning that all of us have treasures because it's how we're designed. We're, we're, We're just made that way and that we serve our treasures. We do everything we can to protect them because they matter to us and we value them. We know, God, that if we convince ourselves that we're not serving our treasures, we're just fooling ourselves. Even Bob Dylan knows you gotta serve somebody. Lord, I pray that you would realign the focus of our hearts. God, that you would help us to, to simplify our lives so that we can treasure the things that last and the things that matter, that we won't be the U-Haul pulling the hearse or the hearse pulling the U-Haul. Either way, it doesn't work out, God. (laughs) We pray that we would have a perspective that you have on the things that are eternal, and the things that last, and the things that matter. Whether that be relationships with others, meeting the needs of of, uh, the impoverished, our relationship with you, those are the things that we can take with us. So God, just realign our focus and give us uh, uh, the courage to be intentional about how we can simplify our lives and so that we can be more generous and we can be more focused on living the life that you called us to. But Lord, we're going to really need your help on this one <laughs> because uh, everything around us tells us to, to live for something else. But God, we know you're, you're able and we know that you're willing, so... We ask you to come alongside of us and help us in that as we learn to practice generosity and simplicity and focus. We thank you for your commitment to us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand up and we'll...
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.